Welcome to the BetUS NFL Show. I'm your host, Matt Landis, joined by expert football handicappers Las Vegas Chris on your left and Scott Kellen on your right if you're watching us on YouTube. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Las Vegas Chris and Scott at Sixth Sense NFL. And right off the top, guys, we've now got preseason week one in the books. I'd love to touch briefly on some top line takeaways. Chris, we'll start with you because you were at the first Raiders game in Las Vegas that had fans in the stands. How was that experience? Oh, that was awesome. You know, last week, uh, comically, I had guests in from out of town and I said, I'm never going to make it to the stadium because uh, I'm going to be busy working during all the games and I'm too cheap to buy tickets. And I got offered uh, free tickets. So I went and I usually love walking around the stadium and, and, and such, but we had front row tickets and never left our seats. So that was kind of fun. Uh, but I made a big mistake. Lesson to everybody. If you saw our strategy video from last week what are you not supposed to do just bet games for the hell of it so uh, i'm going to uh, have a mea culpa here and i'm guilty i bet the detroit lions minus one and uh they lost by one and i could have had a plus two just dumb to play a bad line that's moved uh, i played it late uh so i'm in the penalty box for that one did you bet that when you say betting for the hell of it, is that because you're a Lions fan and you just got excited that it was their first game of the preseason? Or was there some sort of angle, even though it wasn't the best of the number, you still thought you might be onto something there? I, I knew that we were going to get maximum effort from them. And I, and I really didn't think the, the points was that big of a deal. Uh, so, I, you know what? But the, the point of the matter is I, you don't play a Lion that's moved three points. And so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll keep uh, keep a pin in that one. Scott, I want to also see how you were doing this past weekend. I know you weren't at the Raiders game, but you were at a game of some sort as preseason football was happening all across the country. I was. We, I was at my own athletic event. Uh, I was back in uh, Wisconsin, my nephew and his kids' birthdays. Uh, so, hey, we had a little pickup basketball game with some 10-year-olds, some 12-year-olds, some 60-year-olds, some 30-year-olds. Couple sprained toes, fingers, cut hands. Uh, you know, hour later, and uh, and the beauty of it is, we we play football all the time. And, and my one nephew's kid takes me all the time, but he dissed me for the basketball team. So the whole point of my game was just to get in his space and and beat them because uh, he dissed me. And ultimately, though, they did end up winning. So he was probably right by not picking me on his basketball team. So, uh, and and I'll just say, Chris, the guy who tells us who he bet and lost. Kudos to you on that, because most of the time you hear about only people talking about the bets they win. So I always love that. Um, you know, you're not afraid to tell it when you lose. And that means a lot in the long run, I think. So I like to punish myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a it's a very fair way to approach things and win or lose with these bets. Scott, something we can touch on briefly here when it comes to preseason betting. Some games mean more to certain teams than others. So certainly a unique aspect of the preseason that we want to keep in mind over these next couple weeks. Yeah, you know, I don't bet a lot of preseason. Uh, I'll certainly listen to people that I think are sharp and see if it makes sense. But I think we saw it last week with like Denver against Minnesota, for example. Um, the one thing that does hold true in preseason, the team who wants to win more, uh, you know, usually has a decent chance. You're typically not laying a bunch of points. Um, so it's a fairly fair line in that regard. And 
And a lot of this information in some way, shape or form is out there in the media, in the newspaper. Uh, we knew that, um, uh, you know, Cousins wasn't starting last week. You know, Denver's got two quarterbacks, a hot, you know, quarterback uh, battle there. Um, so, you know, a after the fact, it's easy to say, but, um, you know, again, preseason, so much of it is who wants to win more than the other team. And that a lot of times can play out and you maybe you can get some advantages if you can catch it before the lines moved, you know, dramatically. Yeah, for sure. And what's interesting about that Vikings example is that Mike Zimmer had been known as one of the coaches that cared the most about winning in the preseason. I think John Harbaugh takes the cake there and, and the Ravens won again late. But oftentimes, you know, this isn't something that stays static year over year. So that's something to keep in mind with Minnesota moving forward. Maybe Zimmer has had a change of heart. So it's always helpful to watch these games. And even if you don't have a bet, we can always learn something from them. And having a handle on teams' motivation, especially in the preseason, can make all the difference in the world. So it's great to have football back in the fold. In this episode, we'll provide a comprehensive overview of the AFC West here at BetUS, where the games begin. But before we kick things off, I've got something to tell you guys about. You can make sure to sign up today at BetUS using the promo code NFL2021 to claim a 125% sign-up bonus exclusive for sports betting, good up to $2,500. To take advantage of the offer and get some info on the terms and conditions, check out the link below this video. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to the BetUS YouTube channel. And odds are, you know the drill by now, you can hit that notification bell so you don't miss any of the exclusive content we'll be posting. And if you enjoy this video, go ahead and give us a thumbs up. All right, on that note, we can dig into the AFC West. We'll start in alphabetical order with the Denver Broncos. We can take a look at their season-long odds here. They're a pretty big long shot to win the Super Bowl or the AFC, even the AFC West, but a lot of good back and forth to potentially be had on their regular season win total. We can see them lined at eight and a half, mostly a, a flat number, a little bit of vig to the over there. And Chris, I'd like to start with you talking about the Broncos because we know they've got a strong roster outside of quarterback, but can Drew Locke be the key to success for the Denver Broncos in 2021? Well, he's being challenged this year by Bridgewater. They're two different style quarterbacks, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, last year, obviously, was a disaster. They went through four or five quarterbacks, uh, and we all remember that New, York, New Orleans Saints game where <laughs> they had nobody. Uh, I'm very forgiving of what happened to the Broncos last year. I think whatever went wrong, could go wrong, went wrong. So they lost a key offensive element in their wide receiver being out. They lost Von Miller. Uh, they get both of those guys back this year. Uh, they had a lot of injuries all season long, and they still didn't do that bad, and they played an extremely difficult schedule last year. People forget that. So them having mediocre performances last year is is actually quite impressive but getting to your point bridgewater is one of these serviceable kind of guys he's not going to be exciting he's afraid to throw downfield and he's kind of boring uh but sometimes that can be good he has a lot of people around him and he's got a lot of support there, there's no areas on this team that is an utter disaster so with Locke, if you have him in the lineup yeah he can throw downfield a little bit but his completion rate uh, percentage or his completion distance really isn't that far either but the fact that these guys might drive each other a little bit 
makes me a little optimistic about them this year, especially with their schedule. They start off with the Giants, Jacksonville, the Jets. I mean, they could be 3-0. and uh, So if you're looking to bet on them, make sure you're betting on them uh, on any season bets uh, now because they should start off well. And then they start to hit a little bump in the road. Uh, yeah, but- Scott, I think we're, we're all well aware of the fact that, um, you know, Denver has an, an easy go of it out of the gate. But at the same time, well, Chris mentioned some good reason to be forgiving for a lot that went wrong last year. We're still looking at quite a bit of a gap to get them from five wins in 2020 to a possibility of going over eight and a half in 2021. Yeah, I think that's the question, right? They they win five games last year. Uh, if you look at their Pythagorean theorem number, and we extrapolate that out over 17 games because we got one more game this year, that translates to 5.4 wins. And we know uh, if they're sitting at eight and a half, so they've got to win nine games. So can they win four more games? And that you know that's the $64,000 question. Um, and you know, as Chris said. The, the defense, I think, is going to be much better. They're getting Cortland Sutton back, who I think uh, missed all but one game last year. I think, you know, they, they they helped that secondary out a lot, bringing in Kyle Fuller, Patrick Sertain. We saw him with the pick six against the Vikings. I think this defense could be absolutely lights out, but we're still forced with coming back to, um, you know, Drew Locke and, and Teddy Bridgewater. And you can see in there on the screen there, they've got an, an unbelievably easy schedule. Chris already hit in the first three games. And so it really, it, it's just a question of, can they pick up four extra games? You know, from a better standpoint, in some ways you want Bridgewater because you know exactly what you're getting, but Locke can take them to a higher level if they can get out of him, you know, what they need to get out of him and what he shows from time to time. But again, last year, you know, he had 15 picks. They were minus 16 in turnover ratio, um, 3.4% interception rate. Uh, Unless he improves upon that, and, you know, if they're minus 10 or 12 in the turnover ratio again this year, they're not winning nine games. They're not getting close to that. So that really – and I think, Locke, you know, unless something happens here in the preseason that certainly separates the two – I got to believe he's going to be the starting quarterback to at least start because he's got more upside potential. He's got bigger playability and and they drafted him. So they probably want this pick to work and they're probably going to exhaust that at all odds, um, you know, before they really go to Bridgewater. So we'll see. I'm neutral on it. I, I like this team a lot, but you just don't know what you're getting from them at quarterback. Uh, an easy schedule certainly helps them out a little bit, but I'm neutral just simply because I'm a little leery. I think, you know, the better option here is you've got a really good defense that can take advantage of uh, against certain teams. And if it is locked, you put him in a situation where, um, you know, he doesn't have to do everything. And maybe he stays a little bit less uh, mistake prone that way. And so maybe on a game by game, you know, you, you take advantage of that way more than anything. Yeah, and Chris, I want to get back to you. I didn't mean to cut you off there a little bit earlier, but one of the biggest talking points about, you know, the position the Broncos are dealing with the biggest question mark at, of course, that being quarterback, the most important position at team sports. So even though the roster is very well suited for success around Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, what do you make of the dynamic of, you know, them figuring out who their guy is going to be and just how much production do they have to get under center to take them where they want to get in 2021? Well, They've made improvements. Not only do they get healthier, but they've made improvements. Uh, they did okay filling holes. So their their secondary was upgraded. 
And, you know, some of the things that went bad last year also is just luck. I mean, they had, you know, very untimely turnovers that cost them games. They had an extremely high dropped ball rate, which, you know, we shouldn't see that again. Um, so there's variables of, well, once it starts rolling down the hill, it's hard to stop it. Uh, as far as a wager, I'm, I'm just looking at this team and I'm optimistic about them. Optimistic, they won five games last year. So optimistic is them hitting their team total. So would I want to bet over their team total? Do I want to bet them to win the division against Kansas City? No, but it's a team that I want to keep an eye on and I'm going to watch closely because they may have a lot of value in certain situations. But, you know, some people are overrating them. Some people are underrating them and they'll probably end up somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think that's a, a good way to wrap things up on the Broncos. There's a, a big question mark, of course, at quarterback. So some good food for thought in terms of what to look for early in the season as we get a better read on Denver. Maybe that early schedule out of the gate going to get them off to a strong start. So we'll have to see where things go from there. But I think now is a good time to turn the page to the Kansas City Chiefs, the preeminent power in this division for the last several years. So we're going to want to see if they can be dominant once again in the AFC West. Scott, we know the Chiefs were good last season. I mean, they're a prohibitive favorite to win the division again this year. And if you look at their regular season win total, 12 and a half, that's obviously telling us something they're juiced to the over. We know the Chiefs are a good team, but they also might have gotten unsustainably lucky last year to go along with just being so skilled. Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, they're they're a great team, like you said, and and quite they win 14 games. Quite frankly, they could have won 15. They they tanked the last game because it didn't matter to them. Uh, but yeah, they you know they they were eight and zero in close games, as I define it, uh, winning by seven points or less. And we'll get into this a little bit, Matt, but. It's just not likely that that's going to continue. So we look at them. They win 14 games last year. Their Pythagorean theorem number was 10 and a half, which means they overachieved by three and a half wins. That that is a large number for you know people if you follow this. And and then you can also see with the graphic here, they're eight and zero in close games. That is probably not going to repeat itself. And you know we can get into this a little bit more in a second, but. Just just from just looking at that, that they should have maybe won uh, closer to 10 and a half. If you again extrapolate that out over 17 games versus a 16 from last year, translates to about 11.1 wins. Um, and the fact they went eight and oh, I mean, if they go five and three in those games, those close games, they're only winning 11 games uh, as well. So just from a starting standpoint for me, uh, they, you know, they overachieved last year. And, and now that number has been set very high for them at 12 and a half. You know, I think there is a chance that they could come under. And look, any of these teams that are, have a very high win total, no one's going to wake up and say, yeah, they're only winning seven games this year. You know, if they, if they only fall short and win 10 or 11 games and go under the number, they're doing it because things happen that we can't really perceive. Injuries can happen, obviously. Uh, you know, their defense was the healthiest defense last year. Um, so things like that, that can regress to the mean a little bit can add all add up to get them, you know, maybe only 12 wins versus 13 or 14 wins, uh, and, and keep them under their win total. Yeah. And Chris, I think that you have an interesting thought about the chiefs when it comes to what the numbers say they are versus the reputation. Obviously, you know, Mahomes is in a league of his own at quarterback. Andy Reid's a great coach. There's a lot to like about these guys. 
but at a certain point, we do want to give some weight to the numbers as well. Well, is there a scarier team in the NFL? I mean, seriously, what team just scares the hell out of you to play? It, it, I remember last year thinking and, and hearing from everybody, you know, how forgiving they were that, oh, they didn't, you know, beat the crap out of the team the previous week. And I got sick of hearing that because what I started to say to people is, okay, yeah, they're a big, bad, scary team, but at what point does our perception actually become wrong and the statistics of what they're actually doing on the field become true? Because we got a lot of extra value betting against the Kansas City Chiefs because they scared the hell out of us last year. And all those close games, I mean, as Scott said, you're not supposed to win that many. The, the previous year, they had the same amount of close games. Uh, if you take it up to one score, you'd have one extra game with an eight. Uh, they were uh, five and four the previous year. So that's the way you're supposed to do on these one score games. They got really lucky. They were five and oh with those three and oh, you know, those, those three point games. That's not going to continue. That's considered, you know, randomness at some point. So uh, the, the point of the matter is at some point you have to follow the underlying metrics of what these teams are doing and not get scared by the big names that you're looking at. That team, the, the offensive line was very average. It was below average. And if you're following the metrics, you saw that the team really wasn't doing as many things right as you think they were, and they weren't really that scary. So while Kansas City was winning all those games, I was winning betting against them, uh, taking the points. Yeah, well, the saying goes, the point spread is the great equalizer. And I think the Chiefs, you know, really showed us that last year. And and Scott, to that end, you know, they, they can be just a freight train like Chris outlined, but that doesn't mean they're completely invincible. Of course, we saw that on full display in the Super Bowl, but I think there might have been a lot of cracks in the armor that didn't really get exposed before we got to that stage. And as we head into the 2021 season, it seems like you might be willing to go ahead and, and step in front of the train that is the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and, and Chris made a great point. Last year, you know, my numbers favored the dog in a lot of their games and you do get a little scared you're like are my numbers not right you know for forever we know numbers didn't always evaluate the new england patriots with brady and belichick correctly and they always played better than their number and so you start to think okay is kansas city going to play better than the numbers because like like chris said they are a freight train coming through and but consistently you know i saw the same thing last year i didn't have as is is uh you know uh is as much guts to uh, get on the the dog in as many of those games as maybe Chris did, but we look back you know Mahomes in 2018 they win 12 games that year in 2019 they win 12 games they were five and three and five and four in close games in those two years again that is more like it I'm looking to go under I know from some of this Pythagorean theorem stuff that I follow when a team is overachieved by that much and done that well in close games. Uh, and I won't bore you with a whole bunch of different things here, but, um, you know, out of about 26 uh, uh, occurrences going back to 2007, 19, six and one to the under 
when teams have hit those marks uh, of way overachieving and and winning way more of the close games uh, than than you know than they've lost. And so historically, now caveat beware here: they went one in three uh, last year. The, these same situations, right? So I don't know. Is that COVID related? Is that because this thing is turning around now and regressing to the mean? We'll see. But it all does make sense to me that this team was extremely fortunate last year. They weren't the, in the previous years before that. Um, and it just stands to reason that they may not be as fortunate this year. And now saddled with such a high over-under number, I'm willing to take a shot on the under 12 and a half wins. Yeah, and Chris, I'd love to get your thought on the angle that Scott just laid out because I know last year two of the biggest teams when it came to the Pythagorean angle would have been the Packers going under and the Cowboys going over, and it doesn't matter how good of a number you got on those teams. Those bets seem like they never had a chance, so this doesn't mean that you know the Chiefs are any less good because there are some reasons they might come under their regular season win total. It's all about the price and what the market is doing with these teams, so do you think that we're starting to see this get priced in, or, or how do you feel about this situation with Pythagorean numbers as predictive and, and possibly advantageous with betting moving forward? Well, what's remarkable is what a bet on team Kansas City is and how little value you're ever going to have uh, betting with them. But consider this. They've gone over their season win total eight years in a row. Every year with Andy Reid has gone over. So I'm not going to step in front of that freight train, especially with all the additions that they've made on the offensive line. And I don't have all the details, but from what I read, they have just really gone to town and they have added some serious talent, which they needed to do. So my kind of opinion on the team, it, it, they've got a pretty soft schedule uh, for a first place schedule. They, it, they've got favorable scheduling. They, they play three teams off short weeks where the, their opponent is coming off Monday night football. They've got plus eight days rest. They get 10 days to prepare for Pittsburgh. Uh, there's a lot of things that look good for them. The one thing they do have to fix on defense, they were actually near the top of the NFL, giving up almost 10 points a game in the fourth quarter. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't win doing that. So I think with their improvements, I, I, I really fear the Pythagorean coming true and them regressing. I, I, I think that they're going to make the needed improvements and be a little bit healthier to, to really just be right where they're supposed to be again. Yeah, I would like to follow up on your point about their fourth quarter defense last year. I remember the Saints game in particular, probably because I had a bet on that game and it ended up pushing. I got a decent number on the Chiefs, so luckily it didn't lose. But it seemed like Kansas City was in control of that game. And then as the fourth quarter unfolded, it just started to feel like that push was going to be inevitable. So part of what we're seeing with fourth quarter numbers with good teams is that maybe the defense is giving up more points because they're just nursing a big lead. And it's that classic notion of not wanting to give up the big play. And you're kind of putting the offense in plus EV situations. So how much weight do you attach to that situation? The Chiefs, even though they didn't cover a lot last year, they're, you know, they're so good. They win so many games. They are often nursing a decent lead late. So how much weight do you attach to those fourth quarter numbers versus what we might see from them earlier in games is a true indicator of the talent of that defense. Well, that just goes to show you that you, you, what you brought up is 100% correct. I might have gotten the cover on that Saints game plus four because I had an early number. But 
and there were a couple of other uh, Kansas City games that I got backdoor wins on, on on garbage time. So yeah, what does what does the data actually say? And that's why it's so important to to not just look at one number. You have to figure out how they got to that number because. There were a lot of games where Kansas City just didn't care. They had a cushion and they gave up big leads. And and I, I know at least two, if not three, of those bets against Kansas City where they won the game and I covered, boy, I, I it looked ugly. So you're 100% right with looking at it from that angle. Yeah, well, we'll see. Again, a very talented team. But, Scott, you made a really good case for why uh, the perception might be getting a little bit carried away at this point. So the Chiefs, as always, going to be fascinating to watch this coming season. Chris, you mentioned their schedule being pretty easy for a first-place team. On the flip side of that, we can talk about the Raiders now because despite their prospects, they have a pretty tough schedule. And we'll dive into that. But first, we can take a look at their odds for the season. We probably don't need to get too focused on their Super Bowl, AFC, or division odds, but regular season wins, something we will dive into. Seven and a half currently at BetUS. It's more or less flat, just a little bit of juice to the under. And let's kick it off, Chris, with you. You've got Las Vegas in your Twitter handle. You are at the preseason opener. What do you think of the Raiders this year? You know, it's 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 pretty hard to be optimistic about this team. I, I always liked John Gruden, but uh, hey, it, it's time for him to to come through and you would think that everything that he's been doing would finally come to fruition. Uh, Carr's a pretty darn good quarterback. He completed 67% of his passes. He had a 27 and nine touchdown and interception ratio. He was only sacked 28 times. Uh, The Raiders were third, their third down uh, completion or third down conversion rate was 46%. I mean, just seems, uh, just really good. And, and their their kicking game was great. 33 out of 35 field goals. So there's a lot of good things about that team. Uh, but boy, they got a lot of holes too. And and I just I just kind of worry about it. The 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 defense is is just atrocious. Uh, I, I think the last uh, four years they've been rated thir- 29, 31, 31, 32, something like that in defense. And, and there's really no signs of them actually improving. They've completely mucked up their draft. Uh, by by this draft grade that I see, they, they got a D minus. How do you get a D minus on a draft? I mean, how bad does it have to be? Seems like every year the Raiders are getting a D minus by everybody else's standards, and it's probably an A plus in their own boardroom. So yeah, that's that's classic Raiders. And Scott, it's going to be interesting to see that combination, as Chris touched on, with the defense having plenty of holes. Also, a really tough schedule that might put them, you know, at an uphill battle from the get-go here in 2021. Yeah, and, you know, like Chris said, I mean, first of all, it's just the organization, and it's hard to expect great things from this organization until you start to see it on a consistent basis. They win eight games last year, Matt, uh, and if we look at their Pythagorean number, you know, that uh, comes in at seven and a half wins when we extrapolate that out over 17 games. They're four and four in close wins. So they're kind of all right there, kind of right where they, they should have been anyway. But yeah, they have the toughest schedule. And, you know, last year they had 10 games against teams that did not make the playoffs. And that's not going to be the case. Now, you know, in their favor, they were three and three straight up versus playoff teams last year, five and five straight up against non-playoff teams. Um, so, 
you know, but now they're going to face a whole bunch of tougher teams. And how how much better is this defense? Well, it can't be any worse than last year. Um, they have, you know, picked up some players, Casey Hayward, uh, not sure how much Casey Hayward, Hayward has left, but again, he's probably still better than, you know, what they had in the secondary. They picked up some people on the defensive line. So I think their defense will probably get better if, if for no other reason, it just has to, uh, the offense, you know, I, I have faith in their offense for the most part, but this whole offensive line, you know, they got rid of their left tackle, um, their center, their right tackle incognito does come back for them. So it's a big question mark on what they're going to get on their offensive line. I do think um, teams that can scheme well and have decent quarterbacks, you can protect a bad offensive line a little bit. So maybe, you know, they won't suffer there. But um, I don't know. Asking them to win, you know, eight or nine games uh, against a very tough schedule, a bad organization uh, all the way around, a head coach that I think is, you know, maybe a little bit average. You, you kind of have to wonder if the game – has passed him by a little bit. Um, I'm neutral on this. I'm, I'm not going over or under, but um, it'd be very difficult for me to play the over uh, for this team. One other thing I guess I would say, they were minus 11 in turnovers last year. They were even on the interception, meaning they intercepted as many as they threw, but they were minus 11 in fumbles. So that is, you know, fumbles for the most part are random. You would think that would turn around and maybe their luck turns around a little bit from that perspective. So there's probably a little bit of promise there. Um, but I'm neutral on them and, you know, asking the Raiders to win eight or nine games against a tough schedule in that organization is just a little bit tough for me. Yeah, I like that point about the turnover luck, specifically with fumbles and how random they can be. Also, to your point, defensively, they've been terrible. You guys both touched on it, but defense is a lot less sticky than offense year over year, and there's really only one direction for them to move in. So, Chris, it seems like you're you're maybe leaning under on the Raiders, but um, how much do you give them You know, some upside for the fact that the defense really only should get better and, and those fumbles, as bad as they might be in so many ways, that should really more or less move toward the mean and they should be about break even in that category? Well, getting back to that fumble luck thing, I, I, I had that written down also, and everybody should know that the interceptions are somewhat predictive, but fumbles, as these guys referenced, are luck. So they, they just like close games, they revert back to the mean and go back and forth, back and forth more. So uh, just something to remember if you're home self-handicapping. What, what, they, they completely overpaid their running back. Uh, I don't know why they would pay him as much as they did. I think it's like $11 million. You don't need to do that with running backs anymore. And like Scott said, they, they, they lost too many people on the offensive line. So cars offensive performance improvement from last year is it going to be the same anymore he's going to have to throw the ball a lot faster and he's going to be pressured more they made their improvements on defense uh a handful of improvements their defense should be a little bit better but you know this isn't a team that uh the other odd thing as you mentioned they play better against better teams and they have four primetime games this year so Anything can happen. Sometimes teams just play better in the spotlight, and sometimes they can lay an egg like uh, they did with the Jets. Uh, uh, or, well, they actually won that game that last minute, but they the Raiders have a way of laying eggs when they're supposed to roll on teams, and they end up showing up sometimes when they're not supposed to. So with four primetime games, they might be able to flex their muscles here and there. I'm just not optimistic on it. 
I, I mean, I'm not betting anything on them, but uh, I, I, I really don't know how they can improve enough to even challenge for the division uh, with what they have. They, they have just too many voids that are unanswered and unaddressed. Yeah, well, it, it might be tough for the Raiders to challenge for the AFC West crown this year, but there's a fourth and final team we can get to that's getting a lot of love from some people in the marketplace. Still might be tough for them to contend as well. Of course, that team would be the Los Angeles Chargers. We can take a look at their odds. So if we want to see how well they might be able to challenge the Chiefs, uh, if you like their ability to do it, plus 450 is their number to win the division. Regular season win total at 9.5, relatively flat with a bit of juice to the under. And Scott, the Chargers have a new head coach, uh, a brand new offensive line pretty much across the board. So some room for optimism there. But do you think they might need some time to gel with a lot of new faces in new places? Yeah, it could be a little bit of that, Matt. And I think, um, you know, I, I like this team as a whole. Uh, I think Herbert, you know, looks like he's going to be the real deal, a quarterback and whatnot. And now the question really becomes, uh, they've set their, you know, they're at least from a over under season win total. They've set it pretty high with pretty high expectations. Um, and, you know, we look last year, they win seven games in 2020. Uh, their Pythagorean number, again, if we extrapolate that out for the 17 game schedule, uh, that shows us that they had seven and a half wins uh, from that standpoint. So, you know, kind of pretty close to what they did for the season. They were five and six in close wins. I guess the takeaway there is they had a lot of close games, which means they're in games. We know how many games, you know, they were leading and then and then they, they failed to win them and lost. I mean, Kansas City, New Orleans, uh, the list goes on and on. So that that's very impressive. But when I look at their schedule last year, they only played four teams and they were 0-4 against teams that made the playoffs. And they were 6-5 and five straight up. Uh, against teams that did not make the playoffs. But that's 11 games against non-playoff teams. And now I look at their schedule and they've got, you know, what you could say is maybe four easy games, Cincinnati, Houston, Philly, and the Giants. But I think Philly and the Giants, um, uh, you know, could be a little bit more difficult than some people may think they are. So now I've got maybe two easy wins for them. And um, and they've got to win basically 10 games to get over the total here. So I... Uh, I think this is going to be, you know, fairly difficult for them to get over nine and a half wins. I like them, um, but, you know, for them to win 10 games now coming off last year and a more difficult schedule, we can see there. I mean, their schedule is ranked 16th, so it's middle of the road, but it certainly doesn't look like it's going to have 11 non-playoff teams like they did last year. Uh, I lean a little under. It's not a bet for me, but I do lean a little under. Um, and, and like you said, that offensive line, they've done a great job over the last two years. I think their offensive line is going to be uh, better and help them. And Herbert's in another year, you know, whether the league figures him out a little bit more, makes it more difficult. But the nine and a half total, um, you know, the line is a great equalizer, as you said earlier. And I just think this line might be a little bit high, um, you know, given what they're faced with for this year. Yeah, I think you made a good point about how they did against playoff teams compared to non-playoff teams. A pretty stark contrast there, and I, I think it's very fair to grade them as 0-4 against playoff teams and just not counting that Week 17 game against the Chiefs when they were all set for the playoffs. One thing they're definitely going to have to do if they want to contend better with playoff teams this season is special teams. Chris, how do you think that the Chargers might do in that facet in 2021? Well, the, the Chiefs have lost. 11 games in the last four years because of their special teams you can at, at a very at a very bare minimum uh that has to improve with the new coaches i mean gosh how i mean 
they kept Lynn around just so everybody would have somebody to laugh at, uh, and now the Lions can laugh at them. But uh, uh, if they improve their special teams, that changes the whole ball game. I mean, every single aspect of their special teams was bottom of the barrel. I mean, they had uh, three punts block last year. They, their return and their touchbacks on kickoffs were one of the lowest in the leagues. Their 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 punt return ratio is not even remotely close. Uh, every single thing that you look at with the special teams has been a disaster. So it's only can go up from here. Uh, so that's one optimistic part. Fans, there's going to be fans there. They haven't had fans in years. They were out. They had more fans for the other team than they had for themselves for the last several years. So we got good news for the Chargers that they have already exceeded their expectations for season ticket sales. And, the, and, and they're not going to have to play games with the opponent's fans in the stands every week. That can make a big difference. So, I'll push back on that for a second because being in LA, I know there are a lot of people who have bought season tickets looking to flip them, maybe some entrepreneurial mindsets out here in Southern uh, California. So, I, and I grew up in San Diego where even with a bigger stadium than, you know, that, that center in Carson where they were playing for a couple years, there were a lot of games where they'd go to a silent snap count at home. So as a Chargers <laughs> fan myself, I hope you're right. I hope the fans show up and can actually get that home field advantage, you know, up north of one point maybe. How lucky would they be for that to happen? But at the same time, a lot of these tickets, especially with the new stadium being so close to LAX, I mean, it's going to be easy. If you're a Patriots or Cowboys or Steelers fan, if you want to see your team in Southern California this fall or winter, it's going to be laid out pretty well for you. So I hope you're right, but I, I'm leery. Maybe that's the defeatist Chargers fan in me, but we could see it swing either way. I like the uh, the way their schedule maps out for them. It, we're going to know pretty soon whether they have something or not. Uh, although with the new coaches, maybe it'll take longer throughout the season to gel, but they, they open at Washington. They play Dallas. Those are two games that they can win. And then they go through a rough spot for the next four games where they play Kansas City, Vegas on Monday Monday night football, which is good. Cleveland on primetime uh, uh, on Sunday night. And then they have to go to Baltimore. But uh, they, 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 they face some of these teams where they get the extra rest or in good situational type situations. Uh, they're, they're playing teams that are off back-to-back -back road games. They're playing them on short rests, prime times. They, they just somehow have the right situation here and there throughout. So I think that they can go through their first six games, three and three. And if they do, that's pretty good. And then they could be seven and five, eight and six. They could finish 10 and, 10 and seven. I, I don't think that that's out of the question, but uh, you got to wait to see how the team gels. You've got... Uh, uh, the head coach coming from Staley, coming from the Rams, and he doesn't have the personnel to run the defense like he had over at the Rams. So he's going to have to jimmy rig the, you know, how they set up the safeties and such. So uh, there's a lot of questions. Uh, we're going to just have to wait for uh, them to play some games and check out the metrics, how well they're actually doing. 
Yeah, of course, the Rams had a really special defense last year, but guys like Joey Bosa and Derwin James, the biggest caveat in the world, if he can stay healthy, that could give Brandon Saley a lot to work with with this Chargers defense. And maybe one final point on the Chargers, Scott, last year, their defensive injury luck was just pitiful and kind of like the Raiders only having one direction to go. Uh, the Chargers have more talent, of course, defensively than the Raiders, but if their injury luck can get in line, we might see Brandon Saley come with his magic touch to the Chargers, you know, kind of bring that across the sideline, so to speak, at SoFi Stadium. Yeah, I agree. They were 29th worst as far as injury luck. So whatever that is, what, two, three teams from the bottom uh, um, in terms of having the worst luck from an injury standpoint on the defensive side. And they've got talent over there. Like you said, Derwin James, uh, you know, and company. So if they can stay healthy, the team's got some talent. And the offensive line now is fortified a little bit. If the quarterback can take the next step up, he, he has shown some talent clearly. He's not phased by the big time. Um, you know, he, his first game essentially was that game week two, I think, against the, the Chiefs last year. And they had him beat, um, you know. So um, there's a lot of things there that can really work for them. It's funny, you know, Chris mentions the schedule. I just look at the schedule and – and again, maybe it's the defeatist, you know, uh, attitude for the Chargers, but you just you just don't get the sense that they can go win like 12 of 16 games against good teams and, and stuff like that. You just feel like it's win one, lose one. And and that gets me right in the middle, uh, you know, eight, nine, 10 wins. So, um, you know, and Chris, like Chris said, they could get the 10 wins. But, yeah, defense stays healthy. Uh, the quarterback takes the next step. Uh, I like this team. I just think the number maybe has been put a little high, but certainly like this team and very excited um, to see them play, especially in a stadium with fans. Yeah, maybe the other team's fans, maybe a few of their own sprinkled <laughs> in there, but but yeah, it'll be a much better dynamic, hopefully, than what we saw in 2020. I think you bring up a good point with Justin Herbert. We'd be remiss maybe not to mention the fact that Last year, he was so good as a rookie, just really took the league by storm. But a lot of guys, I think PFF has led the charge on this, noting his performance under pressure was off the charts good. And we tend to see a lot of regression to the mean in that department. On the other hand, we might see, you know, a better offensive line. And maybe as he gets more experience in the league, he can develop to perform better when he's not pressured. So when it comes to an outlier performance under pressure, driving a lot of the positive signs for Herbert in 2020, what are you guys looking at to form your expectations for him in 2021? Well, I do want to add that they had one of the best drafts. They they, they left players on the table, but they still despite some poor decisions, ended up with great players. Uh, so something to note, they're bringing in a lot of extra players too. So if they correct that special teams and they add these players in, that makes a big difference for this team. But that's a lot of ifs. You've got to do it on the field. As far as Herbert goes, hey, maybe if he has more time to think, he'll screw it up. I mean, if he's just in instinctively doing well under pressure and did well, well, maybe that means he doesn't do well when he's got more time to think. We don't know. We're going to have to see. Yeah. I, well, first of all, the special teams thing is a great point, Chris, that if they just clean that up a little bit, uh, that can make a world of difference for him. Um, but he's also not going to face, you know, the Jacksonvilles, the Atlantas, uh, some of those teams that he faced last year. He figures to face a little bit more difficult foe this year, too. Um, so, I mean, we'll see, right? I mean, this is uh, – I'm very excited to see him because, again, the guy is very exciting and you hope he can, you know, keep elevating his game. But, um, you know, it's going to – they've got film on him now uh, after one full year and a more difficult schedule. You know, we'll, we'll see, and maybe that gets offset – Offensive line, special teams, but that's you know that's the great debate 
for the Chargers this year, I think. Yeah, we'll see Herbert get a pretty tough test right out of the gates week one at Washington. So we might get some answers sooner rather than later when it comes to the big question for his progress in 2021. I think that about does it for the Chargers. So as we wrap this up, we can take a look at the outright odds for the AFC West one more time. Of course, the Chiefs a big favorite. We're looking at that U.S. at minus 300 for them to repeat. Chargers plus 450, Broncos plus 600, and then the Raiders a distant fourth. And I think that when it comes to the Raiders being that distant, you know, fourth place price point, I, I'm just going to say I, I totally get it. I would love to see them do well in the new stadium and give Vegas another pro sports team to be excited about. But when I see that Bet US has the Raiders available at seven and a half, the under can be taken for minus 120. I'm in play on that. I, I know we talked about the offense was good last year, but having lost multiple starting offensive linemen and maybe some limitations at wide receiver, I'm not totally sold on that side of the ball. I'm even less sold on the defense. We talked about how bad that was last year. Perhaps some positive regression, but no signs that give me confidence in some major improvement. And I'd like to hone in on a key notion to wrap up the handicap, something I'm sure we'll talk a lot about throughout the course of this season, shopping lines at different sportsbooks to try to get the best price you can get. When it comes to the regular season win total for the Raiders, market consensus is closer to a flat seven. And and more or less, I think you guys would agree what a half win in regular season win totals would be worth about 50 cents. So if we're looking at seven at a flat minus 110, that would imply seven and a half to the under would be minus 160. And, and just a little bit of math here to bring the point home. If we look at those odds in terms of break-even probabilities, the bet US line of minus 120 on under seven and a half needs to cash 54.5% of the time for that to be a break-even bet. But if we're looking at minus 160, you need to win 61.5% of the time to break even. So we're looking at an edge of seven percentage points, and that's about as big as it gets when we're looking at regular season win totals in the third week of August. So I think we have a nice discount on the hook. If you're looking under on the Raiders, you can play that under 7.5, minus 120 right here at BetUS. Scott, anything to add on the Chiefs? I know you also had a bet on them under 12.5. Yeah, I like the under 12 and a half. Look, this team could go 14 and three. I look like the fool because the Chiefs are great. Great coach, got a great quarterback. Uh, I just think that they did extremely well. Uh, we're fortunate in the close games last year. Studies just show that that does seem to come back a little bit. We're working with a fairly high number. I'll take my chances. It's one of many bets, right? So it's not, uh, you know, it, that's all it is, right? And I'll go under the 12 and a half on the Chiefs. Yeah, fair enough. No knocking of the talent, but you know sometimes those numbers just scream regression, and, and you'll pay to see them continue to be that outlier if that is indeed the case, but, but perhaps it won't be. I think on that note, we can wrap things up here. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning into the BetUS NFL show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or topics you'd like to suggest for future videos, let us know in the comments in this video or on Twitter if you're listening to this in podcast form. Speaking of Twitter, you can follow Chris at Las Vegas Chris Scott at Sixth Sense NFL and myself at mlandis18. And for those of you watching us here on YouTube, you know the drill. Subscribe to the BetUS YouTube channel. Hit that notification bell so you don't miss out on the action. And if you like what you're doing, odds are if you've made it this far, you do like what we're doing. Go ahead and give us a thumbs up on this video. And last but not least, don't forget to use the promo code NFL2021 when signing up at BetUS to claim your 125% signup bonus exclusive for sports betting, good up to $2,500. And on that note, that'll do it for now. We'll see you soon right back here at BetUS, where the game begins.